Last week was our business meeting. But before that, we've been talking about questions about prayer. And uh, tonight, what I'd like you to do is look in the Psalms and find a psalm that is a prayer that you can look at tonight. So you can you can look. I'm going to start you off by looking at. <coughs> Psalms express the, the heart of the people of God. And I like it because it doesn't always talk about times going well. But even in difficult times, the soul reaches out to God. Oftentimes, it's like we have no one else to reach to, and we reach for God. But we're, we're more satisfied at that moment because we realize God is there. Nobody else can feel that need like God. Um, and just This is not a prayer, but it expresses the heart of the one who's longing for God, who's in need of God. And this is Psalm 32, verse 10. <coughs> and what it'll do, it'll remind us of things we have to be thankful for and things we can, we can pray and give thanks to God for. Psalm 32:10 Many are the sorrows of the wicked but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord Be glad in the Lord and rejoice O righteous and shout for joy all you upright in heart Verse 10 Many are the sorrows of the wicked Do you think for a moment and you probably won't take long to reflect on some of your own sorrows, some of your own difficulties, some of the challenges you face even today. It may be the everyday mundane things of just being tired. It may be a little more than tired of being uh, sore or having some pain or sickness, uh, discomfort in some way. It may be a, f um, a life situation that troubles you, um, finances or a loved one, um, that's either in distress or, or causing you stress because of their situation. Uh, but it says, think, of, think about your, your sorrows, your troubles. But it says, as many are the sorrows of the wicked. Difference between us, those who trust the Lord, and those who don't. We both have sorrows. The situation with us is we have a God who loves us that we can take our sorrows to. And we can trust that he knows, that he cares, and he has power to act on our behalf. And even if he chooses not to act in the way that we would ask or want, we know that ultimately he's going to uh, put us in a place where our sorrows will be ended. We no longer have sorrows. So on here on earth, yes, we have sorrows. But in heaven, there will be no more sorrows, no more pain. And sometimes we often think about our our physical or situational troubles. But look how this psalm starts back in verse 1. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in, in whose spirit there is no deceit. Think about that. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. He didn't say he had no iniquity. He says the Lord doesn't count it. 
reminds me of, of Romans chapter 8. There's therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Since my sin, since your sin, those who trust in God, since our sins are forgiven, God does not count my sin against me. He's already counted against Christ. And so the Bible in this, the psalmist says here that I'm, I am blessed and so are you. So it has nothing to do with how much money I have in the bank or even my present circumstance or situation. It says I'm blessed because God doesn't count my sin against me. And so I can rejoice in that. Now go back to verse 10 where it says many are the sorrows of the wicked. Not only do they have those sorrows, but they don't have this to count on, that their sins are forgiven and not counted against them. We have so much um, to be thankful for. We need to be reminded of that, that um, even our everyday situation, God is acting upon that. He's a faithful God. We can count on him. We can trust in him. And then our eternal or spiritual state, he has secured and that's something that we can rejoice in. It gives us uh, relief and joy right now. I don't know if we know how it feels to be guilt-free and free of our sin. What do we compare it to? And you think about those who don't know Christ, the anguish and trouble that they carry with them continually. We don't have that. And so we have a God who has forgiven our sins, who has not, not holding our sin against us or not holding it um, against whom the Lord does not count our iniquity. And so indeed we are blessed. Now, did you have a psalm that came to mind? that expresses a prayer or expresses the thanks that, that you, um, you're reminded of in the Lord. We're going to take three of them today. So if you have one, you can, you can read it for us and uh, express that to us tonight. Who has one? What, what does that express? And just bring something out about that. Midst of trouble, the psalmist there could, could remember and trust in the Lord that God is his protector, his shepherd. Two more. You want to read a portion of it just to remind us? <coughs> want to just give me a portion that, that you want to focus on. Come to... Um, for forgiveness, for cleansing. 
One more. All right, Sister Jackie. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of that, that mother who can hear, mothers right here, will hear their children in the nursery and know that's my child. And they'll know, is that an immediate need or is that just a little bit of discomfort? And they'll know when it's time to run and go after them. I, so praise God for that. He's toward the righteous. His eyes, his ears is toward their cry. Praise God. All right, let's keep that in mind as we pray tonight. Good evening, saints. You with our meditation in the book of Hebrews, still continuing through chapter 11. The beauty of chapter 11 is that it all stems from verse 1. Faith is assurance of things. Whole section of the verses, we're going to see something like that. Faith as the assurance of things hoped for. Faith as the conviction of things not seen. Skip down to verse 9. Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in a land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land far out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offering spring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. We look at these verses, something that they can't see. Abraham obeyed when he was called to receive a place that he couldn't see. All it was going to be his inheritance, but he still obeyed, right? Faith is the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. He hoped for a promised land. He knew that God had promised that to him. He didn't know exactly how he would get it. But he believed in God. He didn't know how he would have a child. But he believed in God. Sarah didn't know how she could have a child after it was physically 
impossible for her to have a child, but she trusted in God. They all looked to a city that they could not see instead of the cities that they could see. We're often tempted by what we can see. It's what we can see that tempts us, but it's what we can't see that God wants us to keep in our hearts as the goal. That's why idol worship is so frowned upon in the scripture, because we can't make what God wants us to put faith in. It's impossible for us to make an image of God. What will we make? Will we make a shield? Will we make a rock? Will we make a lion? Will we make a lamb? There are so many different images of God. And the reason God gives so many images is in some way to say, I'm bigger than any one of these images. It'd be hard for us even to make images of creatures that are described in detail. So why should we try to make an image of God who is not described in detail? Many of the images of him just simply say, you can't even see how his face look. He's just so bright. How do you make that? How do you make an idol that looks like that? And so for the objects of our worship, how do you make the image of a city that doesn't exist? You don't see it, but you believe it. We have to compare what God has promised versus what we have before. So we know that God has promised us something that's far greater than the society and the city that we live in. We can just build on those promises from God. And I believe in some aspect, I believe that faith has to do with our imagination, allowing our imagination to flow along the lines of what God wants us to imagine. We can imagine that this city is great. We can imagine that this city is filled with light, just like he described it. We can imagine that this city is bigger than New York. We can imagine that these buildings soar. We can imagine that when we go to this city, we just are filled with joy, that there's music in this city, that there's children dancing through the streets in this city, that people can go in this city and they don't lock their doors in this city. But we don't see that city. We have to have faith that what God promised will actually be, it will come to pass. God will be ashamed of us if we try to base who he is or what his promises are on only what we can see. Look what it says. God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. But were we to try to make God into an image that we can see, we will be called idolaters, false prophets, false worshipers, those worthy of being put to death. We can't limit God just to what we can see. Even our imaginations can't fully grasp all the greatness of what God has promised us. That's why the scripture says, eye has not seen, nor ear has heard. There are some things that are beyond us. David often said in the Psalms, and the psalmists often say, Mightiness is just beyond me. Your wisdom is too much for me to grasp. The eternality of God. Can you imagine a God who existed 
infinity in the past and will exist infinitely in the future. We can't wrap our minds around it. I know I can't wrap my mind around it, but that's the case. And if that God is that infinite and he says that he's making a heaven that's perfect for us, what will it be like? There are dimensions of things that we haven't even thought of. And that's what God has promised us. When we think about faith, let's not covet what we have on this earth because it's empty compared to what the promise is that's set before us. And that's what temptation is, isn't it? Every temptation is, let's get it now, because the future is uncertain. But every act of faith is, let's deny what's offered right now to get what God has promised. Amen? Good evening, everybody. All right, so... Today what I want to do is I just want to expound a little bit on um, kind of the challenge I gave Sunday, um, you know, where I kind of challenged people about their giving. But what I want to do is I want to do a, uh, have two people, we'll just do general prayers, but really to just pray that the Lord works in each of his people, um, namely here, but, you know, even abroad, that he just continues to stir up his people to have a heart of giving, um, and that um, the people here can also you know, have the courage to take that step of faith, that he can kind of show them what he's expecting out of them. Because it does take faith to uh, sit there and say, okay, I'm going to give this much, you know, more than I've been given before, and, you know, the Lord will provide. So does it kind of make sense? Make sense? Um, who, would, who can I get two volunteers to pray? Charles, one more. I ain't going to go anywhere until I get one more. <laughs> Jackie. All right, and then I'll close this up. So we just continue in prayer. We just lift up. Um, your people and um, our church finances. We just ask that you just stir up your people, stir up your people in this church and um, help instill in them a heart of giving. We know um, those here tonight are um, faithful givers and usually are the ones that are really giving above and beyond. But we ask that you just work on the people, um, all of us, that pose um, our needs and um, even before we ask about them and that you can provide for them and it can be a scary thing, and it takes some courage, but we ask that you just embolden your people, embolden your people to know that this is money that is going to do your work, and this is funding this ministry, and um, it, it does not go to waste. We use it for all of your work. We ask that you just uh, instill in them uh, just the knowledge, knowing that where their heart is, their money will be also, and um, as they give, that they will be invested more in this church, and that they will realize um, the money that they're giving is is going to help this ministry and help further the ministry. I said you just continue to work in everybody, continue to work in um, each of us. If um, we know of a brother and sister who comes to us um, with concerns or 
for help that we're able to point them in the right direction, that we can make them do that little bit that, they, that you have stirred in their hearts to give. We ask that you continue to be with our church finances, that you continue to um, just provide for this church as you have done in the past, and that you continue to just grow us financially. Right. Who has prayer requests? Dan's kids or with the kiddos? <laughs>